Welcome to First Things First, the weekly podcast where we talk about God, faith, and life in Shallow Water, Texas. Our podcast is a production of First Shallow Water, and you can find more information about our church by clicking on the link in the description of this episode. Thanks for joining us. Here's our pastor, Brad Miles. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the First Things First podcast. Uh, we are every week on the First Things First podcast. We have uh, we sit down with amazing, fascinating, interesting people. But my favorite part of this podcast is that the amazing, fascinating, interesting people that we sit down with are probably your neighbors. And so that's my favorite part. Uh, we get to know some amazing people uh, over, uh, over the course of this. Uh, I don't know if you knew this too. Misha Misha Klebrink is our, our guest today. So, But I don't know if you knew this, Misha, but we just did our 50th episode. So yeah, so That's this awesome. is cool. Yeah, we uh, uh, 50 people in our church. So anyway, it's been a whole lot of fun doing this. I have learned a whole lot about folks. But today, join us on the podcast, Misha Klebrink. Misha, uh, I first met uh, Misha. She was on serving on the properties committee at our church. And she was working, on, did, did some redesigns for our signs and everything. She serves in a lot of different ways in our church helps with the grow group, uh, the, the Laverty's grow group helps, helps teach and do stuff in there sometimes. And so anyway, so I'm super excited, Misha, that you're sitting down and having a conversation. Tell everybody what they need to know about you Tell, give them the essential Misha. What's who, who's Misha in a nutshell? That's okay. what we're going for. Okay. Well, I'm Misha. Um, I'm married to Kyler. Yeah. He is my high school sweetheart. Whoa. We've been married for almost eight years this Sweet. August. We have two little boys. Okay. Major is four, and okay. Boone is one. Um, oh, and by the way, they are painfully cute. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. I mean, ridiculous. <laughs> you posted an Easter picture today. I saw it on Facebook today, and I thought, that's almost too much cute for one picture. <laughs> that's so, very sweet. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, we like them. I think we'll yeah. keep them. <laughs> Um, they're so fun. Um, they're full of energy and crazy boys, but they, they are so fun. I am an interior designer. Um, I work at Texas Tech. Um, love what I do, love the people I get to meet. Um, and so that's kind of what led me to being on the properties committee here at church. And, um, yeah, I love serving in the Laverty's Grow Group. It's been such a blessing to me. Um, I guess I started helping in January. Uh Um, and wow, I did not realize how that would fill me up in such incredible ways. So, yeah. so grateful. What a neat group of people. Oh my goodness. So, yeah, I could go on and on about them. Yeah, that's a, that's a good group. And your husband, he's a fire a fireman, is that right? Yes, he's a firefighter in Lubbock. Um, and he actually is leading the ninth grade boys yes. on Wednesday night. So <laughs> We're we, so grateful for him. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Just tell you like that, that we pray for him a lot. So. Yeah. <laughs> probably needs it but and no he loves it it's good for him um he loves pouring into others lives so he's pretty awesome i like him too yeah yeah he's a good dude and we're we really are grateful for him that that group of ninth grade boys they're an amazing group of boys and um and what's awesome is that they're they're at they're at every different stage in the faith journey Mm -hmm. and so so it takes a person who's kind of uniquely able to navigate that you know what i mean yeah. and that's been so it's been so awesome to watch him you know build relationships with these guys who are i mean they're a lot of them they're really different you know mm-hmm. they 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 come from a lot of different backgrounds they're in different places in their relationship with the lord 
it's been cool to watch him navigate that. So that's good. Yeah. Well, Misha, uh, you, the, what we do on the podcast, what we like to do is we just like to hear people's stories, you know, uh, just like to get to know a little bit more about you. And we love to hear about, you know, um, your, your, your faith story. So can you start off by just, you know, telling us how you came to faith in Christ? What did that look like for you? Maybe who were some people that were involved? You know, just t- tell us about that. Tell sure, sure. So um, I grew up in um, a house with incredible, amazing parents that mm. loved me more than I could ever explain. Yeah. Um, they actually didn't go to church, though. Yeah. So that's something unique to my story. Uh-huh. Um but I always wanted to be there. Um, I can't really explain that other right. than I know that my heart was made to be complete in Jesus. Yeah. And so um, from a young age, I just asked them always if they would take me, and they did. Um, so grateful for that. Um, it was really my choice, though. You wow. know, yeah. I um, was begging them, hey, can you take me on Sunday and Wednesday and yeah. all these after school opportunities. So um, I came to faith when I was nine years old. Um, I was at an after school. From what I can remember, it was like an after school thing for kids and uh, actually, my dad's very, very best friend, his wife, was helping with the program. Uh-huh. And I remember praying the prayer of salvation with her, um, right. which was super special how God connected all those dots for me. And yeah. um, she was definitely an early like hero in the faith for me, mm-hmm. just watching her and how she loved the Lord and how her family loved the Lord um, was such a testimony in my life. Um so yeah, I continued to go to church. Um, we moved shortly after that. So when I was going into the fifth grade, we right. moved from a, a town called Bowie, Texas. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of is it near the Dallas area? Yeah, yeah, it's not far from Denton and Decatur right. and in yeah. those places. So um, grew up there until I was nine or 10. And then we moved to Clifton, which is right outside of Waco, home of Chip and Joanna. (laughs) Everybody knows where Waco is. Um, and I cannot tell you, you know, it was, it was scary. I, I should probably back up a little bit in my story because, um, when I was born, um, they immediately knew something was very wrong. Um, they had no idea you know, they thought I was a perfectly healthy child and um, I was diagnosed with spina bifida shortly mm. after I was born. Um, so as you can imagine, that really rocked my mom's world. Mm. Um, it, there were just a lot of unknowns, a lot of kind of grim outlooks for mm-hmm. what my life would look like. You know, I think my mom had to really mourn what she thought my life would look like, right. you know, pretty much immediately. Um, you think you're going to have this happy, healthy little baby, and that is not what happened. So um, what that really meant for me, and spina bifida looks different. You know, there are varying degrees and mm-hmm. levels of the way that it can affect your body, but um, nerves in your in my spinal cord are damaged um, or dead. I was actually quite lucky, though. My nerves are that are damaged are connected mainly to the right side of my body. Mm. So um, what that means for me is that my right leg is shorter than my left. I walk with a limp. Um, lots of physical um, challenges and issues I face with that. 
Um, also, a lot of things that people don't see that, right. you know, are challenges that just ways my body is affected mm-hmm. um, by spina bifida. Um, I actually wasn't supposed to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, so from the start, really, I think my life was clearly a miracle. Um, yeah. You know, even a healthy baby is such a miracle. And so um, as you can imagine growing up, you know, that's a huge part of being a kid and knowing that you're different from everyone else. And so, um, to leave a place that I felt so comfortable and everybody Mm. knew who I was and it was just normal. That was just Misha, you know? And then, you know, at such a, such a pivotal age, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, nine, 10 years old to be kind of plucked out of that comfort. Um, it was a small town and, you know, my mom had grown up and lived there forever. Um, so it was just comfortable and it was really scary to move to a different place. Mm. Um, so we moved to Clifton and I remember, you know, my mom tells this story a lot. She went to visit the new school that Mm. I was going to go to, and she was expressing her concerns to the principal. You know, Misha's different. I don't know how the kids are going to act, things like that. And the principal walked her down the hall, took her to, I think it was like a third grade classroom, and let her just peek in the door. Mm. And there was a student. um, I actually know him quite well now, but um, he had no arms and no legs. Mm. And he was sitting there in class and just a normal kid who was accepted by everyone. And I think my mom knew in that moment, like, she's going to be fine. going to be good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I can't even put into words what a blessing it was to move to Clifton. Um, there were so many unknowns, but people just loved me and embraced yeah. me. And um, I, in a lot of ways, got to have a normal childhood. Mm. Um, you know, I played sports. Um Sweet. Which you know wasn't even supposed to walk. That's a so what a yeah, yeah what just, a gift. What a blessing that the Lord yes. did that. Yeah. Yeah. So I played softball, volleyball. I was a cheerleader. Um, I just got to be a normal kid, and people yeah. treated me like that, which was such a blessing. So, um, yeah, went through high school. Had a really amazing experience. Was had awesome friends. Their parents were awesome to me. Um, continued to grow in my faith at that point. Um, You know, looking back, it makes me so grateful for those people who poured into my life then. Sometimes it's easy to glaze over that. But I had an incredible youth pastor. Mm. His name was Stephen Payne. Um, He taught me so much. He Mm. pushed me. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm so grateful for him. There were people in our church that just loved me and um, people that gave me rides to church, people that, you know, my friends that God put in my life were going to church too. So it just made it really easy for me to continue to pursue the Lord. Mm. Um, So yeah, I finished high school. Things were, um, you know, going well. I knew I wanted to go to Texas Tech. Yeah. I had actually met Kyler my senior year. Okay. Uh, I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you like when in high school that kind of started At the very end. So I was a senior, it was November of my senior year of high school that I met Kyler. We were both in band. Okay. Um, He's going to laugh that I shared that because yeah, (laughs) we were band nerds too. My my wife, it was the president of the band in San Angelo Central. She played the French horn. 
And uh, and she's proud. She's proud of that experience. She had a blast playing in the band. She loved it. So, yes. Yeah. And honestly, I tell people this all the time, and they probably roll their eyes, but band was cool yeah. in Clifton. We went to state and marching right. band every chance that we got. And yeah, it was really fun. It was a good experience. But met Kyler there because he was a freshman. Oh, when look I, at you robbing the cradle. I definitely <laughs> robbed the cradle. Um, so yeah, it was kind of crazy. I didn't really have much interest in boys. And Mm -hmm. as you can imagine, I had a lot of just insecurities and fears about ever being able to get married because I was so different. Right. Right. And so, um, it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I definitely was attracted to him and drawn to him and he to me. So we started dating November of my senior year. Okay. Um, you know, got to the end of it and it was time for me to go to college. And right. I had always planned to go to tech. I didn't apply anywhere else. Automatic acceptance, you know, it was a was done there, deal. Was there a reason why was tech the kind of choice number one? I you know, I don't know, Brad. <laughs> I think I just am one of those people that I set my mind to something right. and I do it. <laughs> yeah, that's and w- there was you, no there was a, that thought went across your mind. You're like, okay, I'm doing that, and then you're just gonna make sure you did yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I came to Lubbock. Um, you know, and Kyler was still in Clifton for three more years. So that was a really, really hard transition I think for both of us we definitely you know our dating relationship wasn't all you know sunshine and rainbows we were young kids who had no idea what we were doing especially him I mean he was 15 when I left yeah right so um we had no clue what we were getting ourselves into um but when I got to college you know I was hit with a reality that I never really expected. Um, I had grown up in small towns where everybody knew who I was. And life was just kind of simple and easy. And I was accepted. And I never worried about going to the grocery store because everyone I saw, I would know. Right. Um, And so, you know, you don't have to deal with the the stares and the things that come from being different, you know. And... uh, I think in a lot of ways coming to tech and Lubbock was culture shock for me. I bet. Um, you know, nobody knew who I was. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't surrounded by friends. Um, I didn't have family. I was five hours from my boyfriend and my yeah. parents and everything I had ever known. So um, while I knew that's what I wanted, um, it was certainly not easy. So um, I just remember you know, coming home the end of my freshman year of college and I sat in my dad's lap um, and I just cried and I was Mm -hmm. like, dad, I can't do it. I'm done. I want to come home. And like a good dad would, he looked at me and he said, you're going to finish what you started. And you know, life is hard, but you're going to learn something from this. So um, he kind of encouraged me to just go back and give it another try. And I did. And it, it worked out. So um, I changed college ministries between my freshman and sophomore year and found a community that I really just fit in. Um, I went to a college ministry called Overflow led by Keith Baldridge. Um, He was a great guy. He actually married Kyler and I. Okay. Um, So yeah, Keith was another big um, person in my faith story. He taught me so much. Um, and I really grew in my faith those next few years of college. 
um, and found a place where I kind of felt like I had some of that community that I was mm. missing, you know, right. that I had, you know, in Clifton. So, well, and I want to, so, cause I want to like zero in on that just a little bit, uh, because what you've just alluded to is the importance when you go, you know, when you when you go to college is, is probably the first time in your life where you experience that kind of big shift. Right. Um, but, but the importance of intentionally finding a community of people who are seeking after Christ, you know, do you understand what I mean? Uh, where you, where you can, where you can feel at home, but where you can grow and where you can learn and where there are other people challenging you to grow in your faith. Like a lot of people, cause I it was a Dean of students at Wayland. So I dealt with, you know, college students all the time and I would always tell them, you know, it's really, really important who your inner circle is. I mean, that's who you're going to become. And to find, you know, those relationships that will lead you to Christ, those relationships that will point you to growth in Christ, you have to actually proactively go out and look for those. You know, the ones that will lead you to death and destruction, you don't have to look for those. <laughs> they they come and find you. So, uh, so I think it's really a, a good lesson from you that you that you did. You went out and you found a place where you could grow and where you were surrounded by other people who were trying to do that, and uh, and that that made all the difference. You know, a, a change sure. from one college ministry to another college ministry. But the other thing I like about your story is that you kept trying different college ministries until mm-hmm. you found one that was good for you, you know? So I think that's really important for folks who are kind of in that phase of life. For know? sure. Yeah. And I think what I found at Overflow was authenticity Yeah, um, right. that you don't find everywhere. Right. Um, and that kind of ties into how I came to Shallow Water, but um, Seth Timmons uh-huh. yeah. uh, well, became our music pastor yes. at Overflow. I want to say my junior year of college, and um, I will never forget this. Um, so before um, our sermon one Sunday, uh-huh. they started playing a video, and you look up, and it's um, Seth and Chelsea sitting on a couch, right? and they're just telling their testimony. Uh-huh. And up to this point, I didn't know them super well. I knew of them. I had seen, um, I think at the time, they only had Micah. Right. Um, and I just see them as this great, happy family. Well, I had no idea um, Chelsea's story. Uh-huh. Um and she shared um, very openly and honestly um, that, you know, Micah, Seth was not Micah's dad. Right. Um, she, you know, she uh, was pregnant with Micah in college unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. And it was in that moment that I saw the power of just being real. Yeah. And I can't tell you the the young women in our church that their lives were changed because Chelsea just told her story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made it feel like a place where you could just be comfortable with your junk. Right. You know, like, hey, we've all had stuff. What's yours? Right. You know, and so that I that will forever be seared into my mind. Mm. Chelsea just um sharing her story about Micah and like 
what a beautiful story God was writing. Right. And I'm sure it didn't feel beautiful at the time. No, yeah. Um, but yeah, God really impressed upon my heart the importance of being vulnerable, of sharing. And I feel like that's when you find true mm-hmm. community it in is. your life. You know, like every purpose God wants to fulfill in your life is just on the other side of you sharing what you deal with. Mm-hmm. I really think that. Um, and I've seen that play out in my life. But um, anyways, I finished college. I, um, you know, Kyler eventually came to tech. Yeah. Uh, that's so, because we got to stop and talk about this. Because oh, y'all, I mean, that's, he, he went through his, most of his high school experience with you. And I think about myself as a freshman, okay? Like mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't pay attention to anything for more than, you know, <laughs> a few minutes, you know? Yeah. I mean? And, but yeah. He, he, two things, clearly you made a huge impression on him, right? Because he, with you being five hours away, like you, y'all continue to date all through this time, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's impressive. Yeah. Okay. And then he's got to be a special guy too at that age to be to be that serious to be able to be that serious, right? That soon, right? That committed, right? Maybe serious in the right, but but that committed, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, at that age, like that doesn't that's not a normal. Thing, I don't think I, I couldn't I was not capable of that at that age yeah no it's certainly not normal and if you know Kyler I think it's very clear he's an old soul mm-hmm. um yeah. he's just kind of built different yeah. than others now not to say he didn't have those moments sure. of being a sophomore boy you right. know that yeah. first year I was gone um and we struggled a lot I yeah. don't want to glaze over that it wasn't easy yeah it's something we both had to fight for mm-hmm. I mean, I joke about this now, but he really did try to break up with me twice and I wouldn't let him. (laughs) I was like, no. You're not breaking up with me. No, we're not breaking up. I'm just going to college. What are you talking about? Um, I'm pretty stubborn in that way. But um, yeah, so I think that first year was the hardest for sure. Um, And I, oh my goodness, I have so many journal entries and Mm. just, you know, it really made me draw close to God, though. Yeah. And, you know, that's what happens when we struggle and suffer is um, if we press into him, he'll meet us where we are. Right. He'll help us to keep going. Um, and he really did that for me. And then sure enough, you know, I, I think we both came to a point between my sophomore year of college, which was his sophomore Sorry, my freshman year of college was his sophomore year of high school. So between my freshman and sophomore year of college, we were both praying the same thing and we didn't know it. We were praying, God, if this is not who you have for me, take it away. Yeah. I can't do this. I can't go any further. I can't, you know. My my heart's too too invested right and and if it's if this is not what you have for me i need this to just yeah yeah yeah. i don't want it to hurt any worse than it has to just end it now please yeah Yeah. and he didn't it was actually a turning point in our relationship Mm -hmm. things got much much better um before that next year of long distance we were just in sync um and and things went a lot smoother so uh, fast forward to my going into my senior year of college, Kyler moved to love it. Yeah. Um, came to tech. It was a really good day yeah. when I moved him into the dorm. <laughs> I was relieved. We made it. We can do this. Um, yeah. So we got to experience a year of just being college kids together, right. which was fun. Um, you know, he, uh, lost one of his, 
um, friends, his high school friends within the first few months of college. So that was really rough. Um, yeah, but God just, he, he grew us. We got to, you know, attend church together for the first time in three years, which was a big deal to us. And, um, we really just picked up where, you know, we left off the, the three years before and, um, he proposed his sophomore year of college, which I look back and I'm like, if my kids did this, (laughs) it is like such a blessing that his parents didn't hate me. Well, yeah, I was going to, okay. I didn't want to ask you, but since you brought it up, right. Mm -hmm. November of his freshman year, Mm -hmm. he starts to date a senior. And I'm just thinking now it may be different because I have girls, right? So that may be that. Maybe that's why it, it's really different for me. But I think about, I got a daughter who's a freshman right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking about any senior boy who tried to even talk to her. Like, I would want to, you know what I mean? Yeah. I would want to find a body bag. You know what I mean? Yes. So, like that. so yes. I, know, I know it's a little different, maybe. I, I don't know, because I've only mm-hmm. had girls. But uh, but his parents must have really, I mean... They, they must have really liked you or they to allow that to continue going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. No, they did. Um, I'm sure they had moments yeah. of what is happening. Where they were worried. This is a, yeah. You know, I think about my own kids and I can yes. relate to that for sure. Yeah. But they were super supportive of it. Of course, they wanted him to still be a kid. Right. Um, and so I'm thankful for that. And, you know, the space, the long distance gave him the opportunity to do that. It gave yeah. me the opportunity to kind of live my life, too. Yeah. Um, and then to kind of know that you're always going to come back at the end right. of the day to this person who you love um, was really special. So. Yeah. Um, for someone who thought they would never get married, to marry your high school sweetheart yeah. is a pretty big blessing. Um, That's really awesome. Yeah. And I could, you know, I get really emotional because Kyler is a gift mm. to me and he's a picture of God's good grace. Um, yeah. I don't deserve him. He... um he treasures me. He doesn't see me as any different. He mm-hmm. pursues me um, when I don't deserve it, when I push him away. You know, he's just so good to me. And um, I'll never, ever get over the gift that he is in my life. Um, so we got married. Um, I decided to get my master's degree. Um, and we got married in 2015. He was yeah. still he was about halfway through college at that point. Um, we had no money. We're <laughs> super broke. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, Kyler was like refing football games yeah. on Friday nights and working at Gander Mountain. And I had an entry level, very low paying job. And I look back and I'm like, how did we pay our bills? But we yeah. did it. Um, and you know, shortly after we got married, I was still leading, um, a Bible study in my college ministry, and we just kind of knew it was time to move on. Yeah. You know, we were married. We needed to be around young adults yes, that were yeah. in the same stage of life as us. So we started uh, looking at different churches in Lubbock, and you know, there's so many good oh ones. My gosh, oh my, yeah. like, how do you decide? Right. Um, and Kyler just kept saying, let's go to shallow water. That's where Seth is. Yeah, you know, yeah. so here comes <laughs> Seth again. Um and I was like, no, I'm not going to some small town. Like we've done, you know, we grew right. up in a small town. Why would we go to a small town? 
Um, and he begged me and begged me. And, you know, three or four churches later, I was like, fine, we'll go to shallow water. Yeah. So came to shallow water for the first time in, I think, 2016. Yeah. Um, so we had been married for about a year. And we walked in the doors and it felt like home immediately. I don't yeah. know how else to describe it. Um, you know, we saw value in the small town life because that's how we grew up. Right. Um, we knew we wanted to raise our kids that way, but I just wasn't ready to jump in so soon. Like we yeah. weren't thinking about kids yet. We were young and <laughs> yeah. broke and he was in college and yeah, yeah. all these things. But um, it just felt like home immediately. And, you know, we just came to visit Seth, honestly, right. yeah. and God yeah. just um, moved in a big way and we felt called to to stay here. So for a couple years, we drove to Shallowater every Sunday for mm-hmm. church and Wednesdays for um, life group or grow group yeah. and um, still lived in Lubbock. Uh, eventually um, in 2018, we moved here. Yeah. So, um, I don't want to glaze over a very important part of that story. Um, I guess, uh, probably a year or two into our marriage, mm-hmm. you know, we started talking about starting a family yeah. and, um, knowing about all of my differences, we were concerned, you know, just wanted to talk to a doctor right. and see, uh, there were all these theories out there, you know, is spina bifida genetic? Is it not, you know, mm. what are the risks to me if I were to have a child, right. things like that. So, um, I went to my primary care doctor, he referred me to a geneticist, um, and we went and it was kind of scary being in that office, but we sat down with him and just kind of talked through my history and, things like that. I left. We didn't really have clear answers that mm-hmm. day, but, um, I, you know, just kind of was waiting on a call from them anytime or, you know, a, another appointment. And I got a phone call one day. I was sitting in my office and my phone rang. I didn't recognize the number. So I answered it and it was their office mm-hmm. And I, the nurse proceeded to tell me that I had a 50% chance of having a child with spina bifida. Wow. And, you know, that'll kind of knock you down. Yeah, um, It was really unexpected. I never, even going to meet with them. Yeah, I mean, you were aware there was a chance. Right. But a but 50% chance. 50% chance. And I... You know, I, I took some notes on a sticky note and I think I was just in shock. You know, right. she was telling me all this information and 50% chance is all I heard. And I think I just kind of blacked out. I think I still have that sticky note somewhere. Um, and I closed the door to my office and I wept. Yeah. Um, you know, it was one of those moments in my life that, you know, you can feel like you're just like everyone else. Um mm. And you can get really comfortable. And it was just, it kind of made me step back and go, you know, you really are different. Um, And these are realities in your life that you may have to face. So um, that was a tough one. And to sit down and then have to tell that to Kyler was heartbreaking, you know, because he's made a commitment to be with me for his whole life and to think that 
you know, his life may have to be harder because of, because of me is how I felt. Honestly, it, um, it was, it was a really tough time, but you know, Kyler, he just, he's literally a saint. He just, (laughs) you know what, we're going to do this and we're going to trust God in the process. And, you know, if we have a kid with spina bifida, who better than us to to take care of of them? Um, so we, um, continued to, you know, think about starting a family. And eventually, I think about three years into our marriage, we decided to to start trying. Um, and I, this is where God's goodness starts to show up, right? I, um, I got pregnant pretty easily, uh-huh. um, which I never knew if I was even able right. to have children. I didn't know if the spina bifida would affect that in any way. Nobody did. Um, got pregnant pretty quickly and, um, you know, was considered high risk to an extent. So I was going to appointments, they were checking right. up on baby and everyone was real nervous. As you can imagine, yeah. my parents, Kyler's parents, me, oh, I'm Kyler. Sure you were really anxious. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and I was 26 at the time. Kyler was 23. Like, we were still kids to an mm. extent. It just felt like we were kids, you know? We yeah. didn't know what was coming for us. But um, I remember going to my anatomy scan at 20 weeks, um, and I felt like that was kind of the moment. We had done the early genetic testing, mm-hmm. which can give you a good idea, but isn't, you know, super sure or final. Right. Um, and everything came back good. And yeah. that was encouraging. Um, we went to our 20 week anatomy scan and I think my parents both came to that one. And my mom had lots of questions, as mm-hmm. you can imagine. Um, she understands my diagnosis better than most people because right. she lived it. Um, well, and I think it's good too, for us to like rewind and mm-hmm. remember no one had any idea when she was pregnant with you they didn't know until they delivered you. Yep. Like, so I'm sure she did have questions because, Lots. you know, because like in her experience, there, it felt like there were probably a lot of missed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where where people didn't, you know, didn't identify something that maybe should have, they should have identified. Right. And yeah. so I'm sure she was really worried mm-hmm. and concerned. Yeah. Well, and too, I was, you know, born in 1992. Yeah. We're in 2000. 18 when I'm pregnant. Much better. You know, I'm kind of trusting medicine and all of the advances that have been made. My mom is still very skeptical, as you can imagine. (laughs) She came to that anatomy scan and she kept asking questions. And can I see this? Can I see that? What about the spine? Can you see the spine? Yeah. Um, And everything looked good. Um, It was so encouraging. Um, And then Major was born. Mm -hmm. And he is perfect and healthy and such a gift from God and you know it was like a holy moment in that room Mm. when they put him on my chest um to know that everything was okay yeah and um you know God man he had always been calling me back to him over and over and over i can see his hand in my life but that was such a tangible way for me to literally touch his grace in my life um in the form of a little baby that was perfectly healthy and fine um 
and to have this really bleak outlook, you know, not too long before that to seeing this perfectly healthy baby was such, such a gift. Um, I'll never take it for granted. And I still, I still look at major and he, the way he moves his toes and his feet and Mm -hmm. I can't, and it's, it's just a miracle. Um, and I think that is the moment in my life where I realized, you know, God can do anything right. Truly, truly. He can work miracles. Um, and I kind of see spina bifida in my life as this, you know, Paul talks in Second Corinthians about the thorn in his yeah. flesh. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is in my life. But his power is made perfect in my weakness. Mm. And, um, you know, my weakness was that I could have this child mm-hmm. that had a very different life. But look at God's grace. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some people may look at me and think, oh, you know, Major's such a miracle. And he is. But... For me, I remember vividly after he was born, just thinking about how flawed of a human I was, mm. you know, how many different ways I fell short mm. um, of of the mark or where I should be or what was God's best for me. And he still gave me this perfect, precious baby. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll never get over it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, you know, sometimes a lot of what you said, it resonates with me a little bit because, you know, when when Carson, our oldest daughter, when she was in the eighth grade, we found out that she had type one diabetes. And it's a very of course that's a very different diagnosis from the one that you have, but but there are ramifications in the same way, right? With uh, you know, with having a baby and with, you know, you know, having a family and, and all these other things that and 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 also, you know, being different you know what i mean like you know she's got to wear the the pump on her arm you know mm-hmm. the and she's got to you know give herself insulin before every meal and and so there would be these moments a lot of times where you know she was kind of rocking through life and and feeling pretty normal and then something would happen and she would have to remember oh no you know i'm not like these other folks you know mm-hmm. i do have things about me that are different and i don't know about you but in in her life kind of watching her as her dad you know uh one of the things that i think that that I don't know conditioned her maybe that's maybe that's the right word but it does condition you sometimes to to think of yourself as flawed mm-hmm. or to see the flaws I don't know how to put it but mm-hmm. but maybe to kind of hyper focus we all have a tendency to do that anyway mm-hmm. but when there's something that you're struggling with that marks you out like visibly mm-hmm. often in such a way then then. I do feel like there's a, there's this kind of, you know, it caused her sometimes to be hyper-focused on the, Mm -hmm. on the ways where she felt she was not enough. Mm -hmm. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can try and forget about it and you can surround yourself by people who just love you. Right. And I have that in my life, but all it takes is me going to the grocery store right? and people are staring um, because I have a very um, obvious physical difference um yeah so it's just it's a constant reminder Mm. um one that I've kind of in some weird way grown to be grateful for Mm -hmm. I think you know when Paul talks about the thorn in his flesh it keeps him humble it reminds him of his need for God and um it's done that for me because you know and the older I get the more I see you know my body is gonna 
going to fail me a lot faster than most, you know, Mm. I'm pretty hard on it. Just the way that I walk. Mm. Um, and I may age quickly, my body, at least physically because of it. But, um, it just makes me rely on God in a different and Mm -hmm. special way. And for that, I'm so grateful. Um, and on the other side too, you know, growing up, I was really, really lucky. So I remember going to Spina Bifida camp. Um, I think I went two different summers when I was in elementary school at um, Camp John Mark Mm -hmm. in Meridian, Mm -hmm. Texas. Um, And I was, the first year I went, the only uh, camper that could walk. Wow. And the second year I went, I was one of two. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that will... um, That'll remind you real quick uh, how grateful we should be um, for for what we have. And, you know, it's easy to forget about that because you're not surrounded by people with the same condition as you Mm -hmm. every day. But you um, tend to think of your you tend to think of yourself as less than. But then when you're around other folks, you're like, wow, no, I'm really blessed. You know, yes, so absolutely. That, that perspective change. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. But I, you know, the other thing that I, that I was thinking about when you were talking about it is that, well, I know there are people listening, um, who, because sometimes it's not like a physical thing. Sometimes there's a, an emotional thing. You know, there are folks who've experienced abuse, for example. And so like, so, I mean, every time they look in the mirror, what they see is the shame or whatever that's attached to that. And um, some people, um, you know, have been through just really, you know, difficult, painful circumstances, you know, wh- whatever it is in their lives. But, but there, but, but there, I know there are people that are listening to the podcast that that's kind of where they live in this cycle of, of feeling, you know, um, you know, broken, marred, you know, less than, you know, and, uh, and so I, what I what I love about what you, what about your story, right, is that sure there are times where you have struggled with that in your mm-hmm. life, um, but what you continue to experience in spite of all that is these tangible reminders of God's gracious love for you, and uh, at which that is the truth, right? So the the truth is. The truth is that you are precious to God, but he rejoices over you with singing. Not only that, and we're going to be talking about this, you know, uh, for several weeks here, just a little bit when we go through Psalm 139. Um, but he, he put you together. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Like he, every, every part of you, he knows and loves, you know, and, uh, and, and, you know, at the end of that, we talked, we talked about over Easter, uh, Paul says we're God's masterpiece created for these good works that he designed for us to do from before the beginning of time. And so not only are we, not only does he know every part of our body, not only does he, does he know every part of us, but he also, he when he sees us, he he desires to make us into these, into masterpieces. Like he sees this beauty in us that we don't see in ourselves all the time. Mm-hmm. And and maybe somebody needs to hear that. I don't know. You know, sure. that, that really stood out to me. And I, I love talking to talking to folks who have kind of worked through those challenges in their lives because you know that. Like there's a when you when you've worked through those things and then you found your identity in Christ, you know, uh, 
you realize it's not your identity is not connected to some of these other things that we often want to attach it to. Um, but it's also not connected to our failure or our brokenness or our woundedness or our shame or anything else. You know, it's attached to the person of Jesus Christ. And, and I think that's an important thing for us to remember. That's for good. sure. Yeah. Have you seen The Chosen? Oh, yeah. 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 Well, well, I've watched seasons one and two. Okay. So. Well, I'm going to spoiler alert. Okay. Okay. Season three. You <laughs> may have already seen this scene, um, but Jesus is talking to little James. Okay. Um, in season three. And, you know, we're not, I, I've like done some research and nobody's really sure about little James. There's not a whole lot of information in the Bible right. about him, but the way they present him in the chosen is that he is lame or has oh. some physical difference. Okay. Um, I and, had no, there is some like tradition about that, but yes, yes. James, the lesser is what yes. he's called. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether it, he was small or lame right, or right, whatever yeah. it was. Um, and he, you know, he, Jesus is sending his disciples out, mm. um, to just to share their testimonies with people, tell people about who he is. And James is like, why me? Right. Like, look at me. Yeah. Why would people listen to me? Like I'm lame. And he just kind of looks at him and he's like, you, you are made exactly the way that you're supposed to. Mm. And all of these other people have this testimony of how they've been healed. Right. But your testimony is that you haven't been healed and you still believe. Wow. And yeah. you still trust me. Yeah. Um, and so that really resonated with me, you mm. know, and I know that my physical body will never be healed this side of heaven. Yeah. But I have such a hope that one day it will be. Sure. And I know God will use my my um, suffering, if you want to call it that, for his good. Right. Um, and my life can be a testimony because I still declare his goodness even in the midst of my suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and that suffering can look different, you know, to different people. But um, it makes you kind of grateful for the ways that God has made you different and yeah. made you struggle um, yeah. because it really just points back to Jesus. Yeah. Well, and it's not like you haven't seen miracles either. Like you've right. seen the miracle power of God at work in your life in right. a bunch of different ways. Yeah. And so so clearly, you know, there's this, you know, there's this part of us we 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 go to the Lord and we ask him for what we want. Mm-hmm. He loves that. He wants for us to ask him for what we want. He tells us that mm-hmm. in scripture. So he wants us to go to him and say, Lord, I, what I really want is for you to do this. You know, that he's always going to do what's best for us. You mm-hmm. know, um, but we can trust him with that, right? We can trust that he's good. And so you've seen the goodness of God, and you've seen all kinds of answered prayers, and they, maybe not, maybe not the, maybe not the specific ones that you were praying, or maybe not answered in the way you thought. But mm-hmm. he's answered them all. You know, all of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm so good. grateful. Yeah. Man, I, uh, I'm going to tell you a quick story too. I think you'll really appreciate this story. Um, w- one time I was in, I took a group of college students to Ireland and we were, it was a mission trip, but it was kind of like, also like a spiritual pilgrimage. You know, we got to do a bunch of cool stuff and really grow in our relationship with the Lord. One of the cool things we got to do was we spent uh, two days, or three days actually at a monastery. And, uh, and we did the, we did the whole thing, the divine office. We, we, we spent like 19 hours in silence. I mean, cause that's what the monks did. So that's mm-hmm. what we were doing too. It was awesome. Really wow. one of the most incredible experiences of my life. But there, they had a path outside of this monastery and there were these statues along the path that were the stations of the cross. And so one of the worship times we had was each of us, 
uh, was given one of the stations of the cross. It's actually where I got the idea for our Good Friday service. We, we each of us was given a station of the cross, and we were to read about that station, and then we were to kind of give our personal reflection on that. You know, well, um, so there's a girl who went with us, and she, when she was growing up, she was uh, in gymnastics. She was at, uh, an athlete. She had all these. And uh, well, one day she got a virus and she stayed home from school because she was feeling kind of bad. She went to sleep. She's feeling pretty bad. And when she woke up, she couldn't, she was paralyzed from the chest down. Wow. And over the course of the next, you know, several months, you know, some of that came back where, so she could, you know, walk and do some other things, but she was very impaired. You know, the nerve damage was extensive. And, uh, and so she had all kinds of issues with mobility, everything else. So when we're doing the Station of the Cross, hers was when Jesus fell. And I don't think I'll ever forget Laurel Dyson telling me how much it meant to her that the Savior of the world couldn't carry his own cross. Yeah. And somebody else had to pick it up. And she's like, I've, I've fallen. She's like, I fall all the time. I fall in I, I fall walking across the college campus and everybody sees me and it's mm-hmm. super embarrassing and I know what it's like to not be able to, you know, to walk across, do something everybody else can do, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but so does Jesus. And how amazing that he would identify with me even in that yeah. feeling in that moment. And I, man, That's I'm telling incredible. you. incredible. Not a person. We were all just bowling. <laughs> <laughs> it was this amazing moment. Uh, but, so, but here's the thing. You know, the fact of the matter is that, that whatever it is that we're going through, like all of us have been in a place or we are in a place or we're going to be in a place where we are, are unable to bear up under the weight of whatever it is that's going on in our lives. You know, that's that's the reality of living in this world. But we know a savior, first of all, who knows exactly what that feels like and who promises that he will be with us even in those moments. And and that's the beautiful thing about the gospel. Yeah. Asia, you know, yeah. that, that your life is a living testimony to. So. It is. Yeah. And in that same way, you know, I, motherhood comes with its own challenges, oh right? <laughs> I mean, chasing around two little boys. <laughs> yeah. Well, and add to that, I have giant babies. I'm not sure why. I'm all of four foot nine and my kids were eight pounds, 14 ounces. Oh my gosh. And eight pounds, 12 ounces. I did no not joke. know that. Wow. No joke. So they get heavy fast. Yeah. <laughs> And it's obviously hard for me to carry them. Right. And in that same way, you know, like God has put people in my life and my friends, they'll see me pull up, whether it's at church Mm. or the soccer game or whatever, and they just walk to my car and they grab my kids and they take them in. And in the same way, they carry me back to Jesus, Mm -hmm. you know, they carry my kids and they carry me sometimes. And um, that's what I've found here in Chalwater is people that do that for me when I don't have the strength to both, you know, spiritually and physically. Yeah. Um, I'm so grateful. And there, there is a gift in, in being in a position where, where you know, right, that you can't do it alone and that mm-hmm. you need a savior and that you need the community of, of believers, right? You need the body of Christ. Right. Um, some of us, uh, are, haven't been in a position like that. And so we're under this mistaken notion, this lie from the enemy that we that we can do it on our own and that we have to do it on our own. 
which is deadly, the most deadly thing that can happen, you know? So there is a gift and be in a position where that's off the table. Okay. I know I can't do it on my own. I know I need Christ. I know I need the body of Christ in order to operate. And, and there is a gift in that. You're right. And, sure. uh, and it does continue to point us back to Jesus. I was, I'm just listening to this podcast and it was a pastor who, who was on the podcast and his church, it's a big church. You know, everybody would, he's like a, New York Times bestselling author or whatever, but his he and him and his church are going through have been through going through a really awful difficult season, and it's been very discouraging. And he you know, and uh, and he he just wrote kind of a book about that journey or whatever. But um, he tells it he told this story about how he was sitting with his wife at dinner and it was, they were at a low point like they were things were really rough and bad and and um, and they were talking about things, and uh, and he 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 said I looked at my wife and I said you know what babe. I don't think I've ever felt closer to the Lord than I do right now. I don't think I've I don't think I've desired him more. I don't think I've I don't think I've ever been in a place in my life where where uh, my relationship with God was as this vibrant and this real. And so and he said, and so if the goal of our lives is to know and to glorify God, then this is a really good season that we're in. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I thought, wow, that's a that's a powerful perspective and mm-hmm. uh, that um, that those moments where, where things are difficult, when we're able to just focus our our attention, our heart on God, that's what he's wanted all along, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and he'll do amazing things in us if we'll if we can lean into relationship with him, even mm-hmm. in those painful and difficult moments. So yes. Yes, that's a good will. word. So what is God telling you right now? What do you feel like he's dealing with you about right now? Oh, man. I, you know, you let me know that you're going to ask this question. Yeah. And I, I feel like he's telling me a lot, Brad. I don't <laughs> even know where to start. Um, so, you know, recently, I guess about a year ago, God surrounded me with um, a group of friends that are indescribable. Um they just love Jesus and mm. they love me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's shown me the importance and the gift of community. I um, I guess I should say, though, that I prayed for so many years for a best friend, a best friend, anybody, mm-hmm. like somebody that, you know, I could text or call right. when stuff happened um, or turn to and just, you know, tell those deep, dark places of your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and God exceedingly and abundantly more gave me a group of people um, that have just poured into my life in such incredible ways. He brought um, a few mentors into my life that Mm. have just pushed me to Jesus. Mm. And um, it's, it's affecting all areas of my life. Um, He's teaching me to trust him. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I went to if gathering about a month ago Mm -hmm. And, uh, my husband asked me right before, um, he said, so what can I, how, what do you want me to pray for, for you to get out of if, um, and he wanted me to write some things down and I wrote down radical obedience. Um, (laughs) that is a dangerous thing. I sure wish I could take that back. (laughs) Man. Um, I just really, you know, felt this. Um, pull on my heart to just, you know, be willing to do whatever God asked me, no matter the cost. Right. Um, 
and <laughs> he's showing me <laughs> what he's asking of me and it's hard mm-hmm. um it's not you know it's not easy things when you pray right. for radical obedience you better buckle your seatbelt yeah. because <laughs> it's coming um but i listened to this pastor um uh, in a church at a church in waco his mm-hmm. name's jonathan mcluda uh Anyways, he has a podcast called Becoming Something. It's cool. really great yeah, for young adults. Out. I'm always looking for new podcasts. Yeah, so. he's awesome. But he says this all the time, and it it is so it I've seen it to be so true. Um, he says obedience is not determined by the outcome, mm-hmm. um, and that has been so freeing. You know, I Kyler and I in this season feel really called to do something. Um, it doesn't all make sense, mm-hmm. um, but God has made it very, very clear, you know, how we're supposed to obey him. And it's not about the thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about what he's telling you to do. It's about what he's going to teach you right. along the way. As you're doing it. And what yes. he's going to take out of your life to add in. Yes. And so... Um, you know, the outcome that we look for is like the world's view of success. Right. Like maybe that's money or popularity right. or um, comfort, whatever mm-hmm. that is. And what I'm realizing is obedience is doing what Jesus asked you to do. That's it. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're going to have a, a full bank account right. or that life's going to be easy or that everything's going to be smooth, but God's going to show up and he's going to teach you profound things mm-hmm. if you'll just trust him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a big thing right now that, that he's teaching me. Um, also, I've shared this with my friends, but um, I just feel like heaven is close, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a good way and in a way that gives me urgency. Right. Um, like we don't have time to waste. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to tell people about Jesus mm-hmm. and who he is to us and what he's done in our lives. Um, I So in Revelation 12, it talks about, you know, that, that Satan is defeated by the blood of the lamb right. and the word Power, of word our of testimony. testimony. Yeah. And I think that we have got to get vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been on my heart for sure for our grow group. Um, and I've just seen God work in my own life, you know, having me lead that group just for a few short months. And I have been forced out of my comfort zone. I've been forced to share what God's doing in my own heart. And he always shows up in it. Mm -hmm. And he leads the conversation in beautiful ways. Um, And so that's really been on my heart is just to to go first, to share your story, to lead with love always. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I... I definitely um, feel a call to really be where I am. Mm-hmm. So in at work, you know, to proclaim what God has done in my life, you right. know, um, without holding back, to just love people well mm-hmm. and to always lead with that. You know, it, the I think it's in John, it says that we'll be known by our love. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, his followers will be known by his love. So... Um, I just think we need more of that. We mm-hmm. need people that are just going to to reach out, to love people, to be vulnerable. Um, and I've definitely seen how God has used that in my own life recently. 
Um, and you know, the more that I pursue him, the more I want him. Right. Um, yes. it's just been the last year has been such a journey of, I just get this little taste of God. I feel his Holy spirit and I cannot get enough of it. Like mm-hmm. I want to know more about the character of Jesus. I right. want to be more like him. Yeah. I want to show others, um, what it, you know, I want to serve them. I want to show right. them that that character of Jesus in a real and tangible way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I have a pretty busy life. Um, I work full time. I've got two little boys. Um, Kyler works as well. And, you know, I'm I'm trying to pour myself out in all these ways. And on paper, it looks ridiculous mm-hmm. and crazy. Like, why would I sign up for one more thing or stretch myself in that way or or volunteer to do that? But I cannot tell you how full my cup is because... Mm-hmm. I'm just loving people and trying to serve them the best way I know how. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really couldn't do that if it weren't for those friends that right. I mentioned, those friends that that pour into me. And it's not all easy. No. You know, I, not too long ago, was in a public place bawling my eyes out with all my friends around me, and they prayed for me mm. right there. I mean, that's what you need in your life. Those are the people you want to surround yourself with. And I'm just so grateful to have found that. Yeah. Um, and God is just teaching me so much um, through them in the way that they always point me back to Jesus and what he has for me. Yeah. Gosh, man, if you don't, if, if those of you listening, if you, if, if you don't have a place like that, like if you, if you're not connected to a church family, if you're not connected to the body of Christ somewhere, uh, I would say I've met tons of people like that at our church. So, yeah. so come on, man, we would love to have you. And uh, and I, I really believe that there's that there's community that exists like that for you here. But but the other thing is that it's just critical. It's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't make it without it. We've got to have. We we were designed to live in community with other people. That's how God built us. We will never be all that God wants for us to be, all that we were created to be alone. We have to have, you know, we have to be a part of the body. That's how we were made. And, uh, and so, so, you know, that it's, it, it is pivotal, critical that we do that. I also love that you were talking about, you know, cause we don't think about this a lot, but you know, your interior design at Texas tech, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, so you can ask, why am I here? Right. What am I doing? at my interior designer. Well, and yeah. you know, part of it is providing for your family, you know, bringing home a paycheck, blah, blah, But, but the Lord God placed you there because he knows that there are other people there, right? Who don't know him mm-hmm. and, and who need to, and who need to experience the power of his grace and his mercy at work in you. He put you there for that reason. Mm-hmm. And so every one of us out there, it doesn't matter. Like if you, if you're going to work, if you're going to class, if you, uh, you know, uh, wh- wherever it is that your orbit is, the, the, the reason that you're in that orbit is because the Lord God wants to make his name famous in that group of folks, wherever you are. And that is true when we're at the grocery store. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. true when we're at the restaurant. It's true when we're at the soccer field, right? All those places, we're not there by accident. There's no, it's not an accident that our kid is playing soccer on a team with, you know, 12 or 13 other kids, right? And that we're, and that we're connected with all these other parents that we wouldn't know otherwise if our kids weren't all playing on soccer team. That's not an accident. The Lord put us there. The Lord, the Lord has plans and desires to use us in all those groups. And, Mm -hmm. um, and that's a, that's a really 
great perspective to have to serve and love all those folks around us well mm-hmm. because that's what Jesus did. So yeah, the, I don't, you probably saw this on Facebook, but a, a member of our church posted this thing that blew my mind. Right? It was a meme, right? Mm-hmm. It was like the meme was. I'm going to butcher it, but it was something like, you know, I've thought a lot about what I would do if I knew I only had 24 hours left on the mm-hmm. earth. You know, if I mm-hmm. knew that. But here's the thing: Jesus did know, and you know what he did? He washed his disciples' feet. Yeah. That's how he's. That's the critical thing that he needed to do when he knew he only had 24 hours to live. And that really should change the way that I think about life and I think about what's urgent, you know? So, For sure. Man. Yeah, well, and we're actually studying Jesus's farewell message oh, um, yeah. <laughs> in our grow group right now. Yeah. And what really strikes me is not only did he wash feet, but he knew they would betray him. Oh, yeah. Yes. And he, he, he washed their it. feet before they did it. It's yeah. mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just that's... beautiful. And, and that's, who our, that's our Savior, you mm-hmm. know? And so if, if we're going to uh, call ourselves Christian, right? If we're going to attach his name to us, right? And then our character should resemble him, you know? Uh, and and if, that's, if that's who he was, that's who, that's who we should be. Too. Yeah. So that's a good word. That's a really good word that I am still struggling to make reality in my life yeah. sometimes. But uh, but uh, man, it was, that was super convicting. I was like, I read that just a little meme, and I was like, oh my gosh, Roxanne, why did you have to post that? You know. <laughs> so, but uh, it was really good. You yeah. know, And and I and I just want for my life to be characterized by by that radical obedience mm-hmm. and radical uh, service and humility. You know. Yeah. Yeah, so. I think that, you know, you're going to see God move on the other side of that, mm-hmm. um, no matter how hard it is. Right. You know, and I can sit here and in a lot of ways, my life has been good and easy and it has been in some ways. In a lot of ways, it's been really, really hard. Right. And um, God has never forsaken me. Right. You know, and that doesn't mean that I have... Um, you know, that my finances are all perfect or that I have all the accolades at work Mm -hmm. and that my kids are incredible, amazing people who never mess up, that my marriage is perfect. That doesn't mean any of that. It just means that Jesus hasn't ever left me through Mm -hmm. any of it, the good or the bad. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it doesn't mean that I win. It means that Jesus wins. That's exactly right. That's right. It's not, it's not rooted in my strength, which is so wonderful because I know how weak and messed up and broken mm-hmm. I am. And it doesn't, none of this depends on my strength. It mm-hmm. all depends on the strength of my Savior, and He never fails. You right. know? So yeah. uh, remember that. Those of you out there who are struggling, if you feel weak, if you feel like you're faltering, if you wonder if you can take another step, um, you, uh, you just know you're not alone, first of all. So many of us feel that exact same way. We've definitely, all of us have been there. Um, but but there is a savior who loves you deeply and and his burden is easy his yoke is light and the only reason it is because he's the one who's carrying it right he's the, so so uh, he wants to come alongside of you and empower you and strengthen you and lift you up and walk with you right so um as Misha and I both more than anything else that's what we want you to know we want you to know him and we want you to know his goodness and we want you to know his mercy so man Misha, thanks so much. Yeah, Man, it was thank good to, you. It was this good, was great. Yeah, it's good to hang out and, and talk with you. And 
and uh, and I, I know that folks uh, listening to this have been encouraged by by you sharing your story, but also about you've you've circled back around to this a bunch of times. So it's clear that this is a way that the Lord's working in you. But but just that you know being vulnerable with people and just being able mm-hmm. to be open and honest with folks about about you know about where you are, about your struggles, and um, and you're right. I think the Lord uses that, and so I really appreciate I really appreciate you just sharing honestly. Uh, with us today is that's really really good so thank you very much yeah thanks for having me all right well join us again next week we'll have another amazing interesting fascinating guest and if you see if you see misha around town or anywhere else make sure that you uh tell her that you love her and appreciate her and uh and 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 make sure you join us we're gonna have a you know have a wonderful time uh doing this again you can also catch up on ones that we've done before maybe you missed some so catch up on those but uh but uh, we're just great. I'm grateful to be able to do this. I don't ever. I don't think I ever get up from having a conversation like this with somebody where I'm not like, man, that was amazing, you know. So I'm just always so grateful that I get to hear all these stories. So, and I know that you listening out there, I know you are too grateful that you get to hear these stories too. So, um, so join us again next week. But uh, until then, we'll we'll see you around town. Thanks for tuning in to First Things First. We want to invite you to join us for worship this Sunday at First Shallow Water. You can find us at 703 Avenue J in Shallow Water, Texas. Our Sunday morning service starts at 1030 a.m. Click on the link in the description of this episode for more information about our church or if you'd just like to reach out to us. Check out the previous episodes of this podcast. Make sure you do that. We really have had the privilege of hearing some amazing stories. And make sure you check back each week for a new episode. Until then... We'll see you around town.